All right, well, good morning to all of our New Hope family, everybody in the back taking care of our babies that's watching us down the hallway right now, everybody logging in live online, and then all of those uh, that will watch us later this week, specifically at the Eunice Correctional Facility, our brothers and sisters in Christ down there, would you please just help me welcome all of those people, make sure... They all know they're just as important as you are. Thank you for being here in our second service today. If I haven't gotten to meet you, my name is Chris Fry. Megan and I have the privilege of leading a great staff, elders, board, and a whole lot of about 250 Dream Team members that serve throughout the month. And I too am a why child. I just wanted to know and uh, I didn't mean to irritate anybody when I was asking, and to this day, I, I still don't. But it's a, a great setup, an intro into this series on big church, because we are attempting to answer the question, why do I attend services? Why do I believe I am the church? Whose church am I? And if I am those things and I believe it is important, then let's take the time to define what kind of church we want to be. I just got to celebrate real quick. This is the kind of church that we want to be and want to continue to be, that we are having people every week commit recommit, dedicate, or rededicate their life to Jesus. And at 1245 today, we've got about 20 candidates for water baptism that we are going to celebrate with as they publicly profess. It is so cool. It was a cliche saying, but now it's actually true. We're not even praying for revival anymore. We're just praying that God would guide us through the revival that we're having. That's what God has his hand upon his church to be. So whose church? Whose church? Let's read. We've read it every week. We will read it again until we conclude this series, which may or may not be for the rest of our existence as a church. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says, I say to you that you are Peter, Peter, Petros, original Greek word Petros, which means small stone. In other words, you, Peter, my disciple, are a small part of the big picture that I want to build upon. And then Jesus says, and on this rock, a separated statement by a Greek conjunction, and upon this rock, Petro, different word than what he said to Peter, upon this rock, the rock, I believe, of the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as a disciple and a follower of God, I will build, and the Bible says, and I messed this up in first service, so I'm not going to make you do it, but I just want to make sure that you're reading. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus proclaimed, he defined, he stated emphatically, it's not another man's church, another woman's church. It's not a denomination's church. It's not a movement's church. It's not a spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal, Protestant, or Catholic church. It is, Jesus said, my church. He was very definitive about whose church it was. And then he said, my church will prevail against the gate of hell itself. So if you see a church not necessarily prevailing 
against the hell and the city in which it was put in, then you can examine whether it is truly being built as his church or somebody else's church. It's his church. And then Jesus says, when, when you allow me to build you, okay, personally and corporately, when you allow me to build you, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what is unlocked spiritually, physically, and eternally, what is unlocked is being given over to you. So if it stays locked, it's your fault. <laughs> if it's locked up, if it needs to be bound, if it needs to be put into submission, whatever needs to be locked, whatever needs to be unlocked, is it's just a crime baby she's my niece she's gonna be okay she did that last night too she got over it real quick it's fine what i will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven listen whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven and so in the first week we talked about the fact that i believe jesus wants to build a big church because he's a big god and I, listen, and I said this in first service and I went and wrote it down because it wasn't in my notes. So it had to be God that, because it was too good to be me. So it had to be him. But I said something to the effect of we don't have to choose between whether we are a church that is reaching out wide or a church that is searching and seeking for God in depth. In other words, we can reach out wide in width and seek God in depth all at the same time as a big church before a big God because if Jesus is building this thing then it will look like him and he doesn't need a seeker friendly surface level church any more than he needs us for and no more that can quote the Greek and the Hebrew but hadn't led anybody into the kingdom in the last decade let's not settle for one or the other let's be be seeker friendly a place where somebody can come in and find a place to belong and yet operate in spiritual death depth as a hungry disciple all at the same time we don't serve a god of one or the other he's able to provide both last week we talked about being a healing church and you understand that when i say we i, I mean again individually and corporately so I wanna be a place and a person that the sick can come to, be anointed with oil and prayed over and believe for God's best. Why the oil? I don't know, it just says it in the Bible, so I just do it. Like sometimes I need to stop asking why and just do the what that he said. And when I follow in obedience, he'll show me why. So I just, I wanna be the place where the sick can be anointed with oil and receive God's best. I wanna be a place and a person where a demoniac can come forward and in a simple command, according to the word of God, the simple command can deliver the demoniac where someone who is bound and broken could walk out with chains being cast off, delivered, set free and ready to walk in the will of God for their lives. I wanna be a person and a place where the hurting and the weary can come in and receive healing and strength in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's who we want to be. This week, I want to talk about being a spirit-filled church. And I'm going to probably speak to a little bit differently than the normal message on being spirit-filled. In fact, I'm actually not talking about a spirit-spitting, tongue-talking, brim-flopping, convulsing, overly competitive, look-at-me, look at what God does in me, and I don't really being used to to affect or, uh, or influence anybody else. That's not exactly what I'm talking about today. Uh, I don't, I know that those, in fact, I thought somebody, I first thought for sure somebody was about to take off running about about middle of service a minute ago um, because I was about to take off running. I just saw, I was like, whoo, is this about as close to heaven as we can be? Didn't our worship team do an incredible job this morning? I want to be a spirit-filled church. I think Pastor Jeremy DeWart at, uh, at our general council defined, articulated what this meant to him about as good as I've ever heard this articulated, okay? Everything that I just said are not necessarily evil unless you make being spirit-filled about all of those things, and then you limit it to those things. I'll come back to that in a minute, but Pastor Jeremy said, and I quote, the Holy Spirit personalized my relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit personalized my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's what he did and it's who he desires to be. So my prayer today, this morning, is that we would get back or return to our roots. Okay, and listen, I'm not talking about Assembly of God roots established in 1914. I'm not talking about Pentecostal charismatic movement roots established in 1906 at Azusa Street. I'm not talking about 25 years ago, you know, when everything was great and all the young people were just living for Jesus and everybody loved God and and we refer back to the good old days where there was nothing wrong and our nation wasn't going to hell. I'm being extremely sarcastic right now, just in case you didn't know and you were like, yeah, preacher, no, no, no. It was just as bad then, okay, and now today is a byproduct of what, anyway, so uh, I'm talking not about necessarily those things. I'm talking about the church that Jesus built and then we see develop in Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 28. The church that God wanted to use not to isolate itself but to infiltrate the society in which he had put them and filled them with his spirit. The early church was spirit-filled, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered, and therefore it made a difference like we're seeing in this testimonial video we wanna show you real quick. Hi, I'm Ryan Neville, and I wanted to share a quick story with y'all. Back in April of 2019, I went on a paint project for Genesis Oil Company. Uh, and upon arrival, myself and the person in charge, Mr. Mike Manuel, uh, started talking and he had mentioned that they used to do Bible studies and he would like to start a Bible study back up again now that the paint crew's back. We ended up getting a new cook named Dominic. He was from the Philippines. 
and he had never heard the word of God before. So we started the Bible study and Mr. Mike Manuel ended up giving Dominic a Bible for him to start reading. Well, Dominic ended up taking the Bible home and was able to share the word with his family. Genesis cut the cost for the paint projects. So we ended up shutting down the project. The Monday before Dominic was supposed to go home, him and Mr. Mike were talking and Dominic just thanked Mr. Mike for giving him that Bible. That way he was able to go home and share the word with his family. He was beyond excited for it. Well, 10 minutes before the helicopter was supposed to leave Galveston, Texas, Dominic had a massive heart attack and died on the platform. We've always talked about you know, our big fat mouth and the words that, that come out of our mouth can impact our lives or somebody else's life. But the words that came out of our mouth on that platform ultimately was able to save Dominic's soul for eternity. See, here we are in Eunice, Louisiana, just attempting to be and build the church that would make Jesus famous. And along comes a family that needs a spirit-filled, spirit-led church to not just be empowered, but to be willing to walk with them through a very difficult season. And in the midst of being ministered to, God begins to use another man who is experiencing his presence and growing in his relationship to be a part of a small group. Did you know we had a small group on an oil rig? I didn't, but I think it's so cool that we did. And a group of individuals began to discuss and have gospel conversations. And someone who had never heard the, the gospel of Jesus Christ began to listen in, receive a Bible, receive salvation, take it back home to his family when he was knocking on the door of eternity and being separated from his heavenly father once and for all time instead because of a spirit-filled church that ministered to a man that began to have gospel conversations Dominic a Filipino is now full of the spirit and shall forever live in the presence of his heavenly father because somebody in the church stopped having service and started being a servant so good. It is, that's not me being oh, so good in myself. That's me so good in what God did in that story. It is vital, hear me, it is vital of utmost importance, essential that we be a spirit-filled church and a spirit-filled people. It is vital. I'm actually working on a little bit of a, dissertation that I'm going to continue to take notes on and and look and let God confirm but as I was writing this message this past Wednesday I almost preached it Wednesday night I was so excited about this I've read over these passages hundreds of times but then all of a sudden God spoke something new that I had never seen before hey, hold with me for just a second I want you to see over here Jesus's sacrifice and the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in, in that, we are saved. We receive salvation. We become a child of God. Okay, now over here is Jesus's baptism. 
referred to in the word of God. And I don't have time to break all that down for you this morning. I did it on a Wednesday night and we have those videos online and we're actually beginning to coordinate those and link those to where all you gotta do is go and click on them. But over here is Jesus's baptism. So Jesus's salvation allowed me to become a child of God, but Jesus's baptism allows me to be a child of God. Let me say it this way. Jesus saves me to become a child of God, but the Holy Spirit fills me to actually accomplish and do the works of God. That is why he fills me with his spirit. That is his purpose. Not that Jesus would just save me, but then that I could experience Jesus's baptism according to the book of Acts and I could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this, Jesus ascended into heaven and he made a promise that came to pass just a few days later and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven. He is still here with us today and we are saved in the name of Jesus, but we need to stop just being satisfied and settled with the fact that we became the Spirit so that we can out, out and be a child of God. Do the works of God in the power of God and accomplish His will for our lives. See, I've, I've seen people stop living for God because they thought that there was something wrong with their faith, but really it wasn't what they believed about Jesus that was wrong. It's what they didn't believe about the Holy Spirit. See, they believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe in being filled with his spirit in a biblical, in a biblical way, in a biblical fashion. And I can tell you what I believe about being filled with his spirit, but you've gotta go and study the word of God for yourself. And it's got to be a personal, authentic, genuine encounter and experience for you because Jesus wants to save you so that you can become his child, but he wants you to believe in the spirit that he had to go back to heaven and send. Otherwise, he could have just stayed here. But there was something significant enough that Jesus had to go back so that the spirit could come down. That's who he is. If we are going to be a spirit-filled church, then we need to believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I gotta do this quickly, but I just, I can see some constriction, if you will, in the charismatic movement. I mean, I can see constriction in anything that has human hand in it. Anything that humanity is involved in, there's going to be some corruption, there's going to be some constriction, God bless you, because some construing and, and there will be some, there will be some constriction in anything and everything that man is involved in, okay? Humanity's involved, these things will exist. The charismatic movement specifically, I believe, I can see over the years that we, because I'm a part of that, we limited the Holy Spirit to an experience in a building. We made the Holy Spirit about an eccentric emotion. We made an experience in the Holy Spirit a selfish act. And so we kept coming back week 
after week after week to be filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. And if that pastor and that church didn't live up to our expectations, then we went to the next exciting fad and the next exciting movement to be filled with the Spirit over here and be filled with the Spirit over there. And we became eccentric and emotionally driven and we lost the influence and the eternal impact that we were actually supposed to have when we received the Holy Spirit, were led by the Holy Spirit and impacted the environment in which he put us in because we were empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's good preaching. I'm just, it, that was in there. He gave me that on Wednesday. It's who he is. There's nothing wrong with the experience. Nothing wrong with the emotion unless you make that the idol about you being filled and ministered to. Now listen, we all need that. At times, there's nothing wrong with that. But if the purpose is just for you to go out and feel better about yourself <laughs> and not necessarily be used by God to make somebody else, then, then what are we doing? We've missed the mark. If we're gonna be a spirit-filled church, we need to be a spirit-led church. Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, verse one, the Bible says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's just a story of reference. You don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter eight, we see Philip, one of the disciples who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was translated in the Spirit Modern day language, maybe a little bit uh, Star Warsy. I don't know. I've never seen one. <laughs> so awesome. And so, anyways, uh, teleported, if you will, in the spirit to the carriage of an Ethiopian. Okay, listen. Just like God put some men on an oil rig, the Holy Spirit put Philip beside a carriage. And just like a Filipino heard the gospel and received salvation in the scripture, an Ethiopian hears the gospel, is reading the word of God, but needed someone to sit with him who was spirit-filled. Why? Because the carnal mind cannot understand the things of God, but only by the spirit of God. But when the spirit of God in the man of God walked up to the carnal mind of another man and began to explain in the spirit, filled with the spirit, how Having been led by the Spirit, someone received salvation and eternity was impacted because Philip didn't make being Spirit-filled about him. Sp Philip went out. Let me show you another example. Acts chapter 13. You can turn there, write there, read there, whatever you want to do. Verse 9. Saul, also known as Paul. This story is hilarious, by the way. You're going to enjoy this. Was filled with the Spirit. And he looked at the sorcerer in the eye. I want you to go out this week. <laughs> Schedule an appointment with the psychic. <laughs> or anyone else that you perceive to be a healer. And I'm not going to throw anybody under a bus because I can't pronounce that word anyways. But anybody that you think you can go out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And the rest of you are like, what is he talking about? Tell him later. Uh, you can go out. I just want you to go out. I just want you to stare at him. Give him the spirit-filled stank eye. 
I didn't say that in first service. I'm going to have to do that again in third. We write that down? So there's Paul. Paul, given the sorcerer, the spirit-filled stank eye, and Luke standing over the side like, well, this is going to be good. I don't think he was typing. He was etching. <laughs> Got it written down. Verse 10, then, then Paul says, you son of a devil. <laughs> like, whoo, oh, I thought he was going to say something else. Okay, you son of the devil. I'm sorry. Full of, I'm not, I'll probably do it again. Full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his, I want you to notice that Paul was not afraid of another kind of spirit that he happened to be standing in the presence of. He wasn't intimidated by anyone or anything else in the atmosphere because he knew in whom he had put his trust and the one that had filled him. And I don't want to preach there, but I got to keep reading. Watch now, watch now, not tomorrow, not I hope this is right in the name of Jesus, but if it's not, just forget I even said, no, watch now, Paul said. Watch right now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. It's almost as if he is speaking from experience. You will not see the sunlight for some time and instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping around and begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Now I would love to tell you that the rest of Acts chapter 13 is a story about the disciples ministry of this man but it actually just stops talking about that and moves right along into another story. I believe that the essence of this scripture today is that we currently live in a time where there is a generation full of people who are begging and pleading that someone would stop staring down their nose at them but look from the ground up at them, give them a hand and walk beside them, leading them into places that they didn't even know they needed to go. Instead of talking about them, let's start investing in them. Take them by the hand and invite them along in your journey. Don't just look down and frown and discuss and complain about where we are. Do something about it. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to go, I was joking, please don't go stare at people. <laughs> and don't cast your hands on anybody and call them a son of a devil. Okay, if you do, wear another church's t-shirt. Please, don't do that in a... Meet, serve, impact. Don't do that, okay? But what I am saying, hear me, is that we should have more influence in any atmosphere than anyone else or anything else in that atmosphere. In other words, we shouldn't be sitting in here and then turn around and go, uh-oh, look who just walked into church. We should be going out into society and the world and the people in it should be looking at us and going, uh-oh, the church just walked in. I thought we were going to have a meeting and have influence in any direction that we wanted to have, but uh-oh, the church just walked in. I thought we were going to make some laws where we could continue to have our way instead of his way, but uh-oh, the church just walked in. Something has shifted in the atmosphere 
atmosphere. Actually, it's not even a thing. It's somebody that was filled with the Spirit, led there by the Spirit, and actually has something to say because they've had many things to show. They're not just there for an eccentric, emotional experience. They are there to have eternal impact and influence because they have been filled and led by the Spirit of God Almighty. It's who He is. We should have more influence. I'll give you a little bit of an example here. We're going to bring this thing in for a landing in Jesus' name. But I woke up Saturday morning and I had, I had been preaching in my head. That was cool. I was like, and it was, it was like a great crowd too, like, like you guys. Um, and they were preaching with me, throwing stuff at me. And I was dipping, you know, and we were having, having service. It was fun. But I, I woke up and I was like, I just remembered this one thing. And, and I, I, I was like, God, please help me remember. And he was like, why don't you write it down? <laughs> then you will remember. It's just a little tidbit. <laughs> wrote it down. And so I said this in my dream I was preaching. And they started, I mean, they were preaching with me. They were so excited. You don't have to do it because you're not in a dream. This is reality. But in, the, in my dream, I said this. I said, you know, people do not have a tendency to get lost when they know where they're going. See, the problem with the church is that for far too long, they thought they were going to a building. They thought that was their destination. But what they didn't understand is that God had a different desire than just this physical destination. You won't get lost when you know where you're going and you won't wander off when you know who is leading you there. For example, I grew up, Tim Wilson married my mom when I was four years old. And thank God, Tim Wilson liked to hunt. Otherwise, I would only have gumbo in common with most people that I try to pastor to, but he, he liked to hunt. And so he would take me hunting. He is and has pretty much always been my, my daddy, Tim. He didn't uh, officially adopt me, but he has never treated me as anything less than his own son. I, I would go out, we would go out y'all in the pitch black and walk through the woods. I never knew we were supposed to be watching out for snakes. I didn't know that he just cut through a briar bush that didn't get me because he made a way when I didn't even know there needed to be one. We would get in a boat, a little boat. I couldn't even see my hand in front of me. And he's driving wide open through Lake Bistino. I mean, it, it is an extended version of a bayou with more stumps and more trees, and he is blazing a trail. You know what I didn't ever do when I was with my daddy, Tim? There was never a point that I stood up in the boat and said, you can't see where you're going and neither can I. <laughs> never, not one time did I jump out of that boat. Not one time did I get on the four-wheeler, on the front of a four-wheeler, holding on to a ratchet strap like that was a seatbelt. Just sit right there. Yes, sir. 
He knew where we were going. And I was with my daddy. Listen to me, I got lost one time. This is the only time that I've ever been hunting and I got lost. You know who wasn't there? I was by myself. I wasn't with my daddy. See, I got lost because I didn't know where I was going. And I wandered off because I wasn't there with him and he wasn't leading me. I've never been with my daddy and gotten lost. I've never been with my daddy and wandered off. I'm spirit-filled. spirit I should be spirit-led. And if I'm spirit-led, then I should be spirit-empowered. We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Where the Bible says everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I do believe this is an essential part. I, I believe this is an essential piece for, for you. And it's, again, evident in the book of Acts. If you disagree, go read your Bible. Argue with it. Not me. I'm not having that conversation. Well, I will actually have that conversation. I just can't do it today. The Bible says, and they all began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability to be filled. They get, he gave them, he didn't just give them the ability to speak in tongues. He gave them the ability to be filled. Yeah. And... And then a whole lot of other things that we begin to read about in the book of Acts that were essential to the disciple developing into something more. Because then in verse 14, the Bible says that Peter stepped forward with the other 11 and shouted to the crowd. Now this question is back just a little bit, but I wanna ask you this question. If you're spirit-filled and spirit-led, then a really important question that you need to evaluate is what are you going to do when you get where he leads you? What am I gonna do when I get to the place that God was taking me? What am I gonna do when I get to the place that God put me in? I got 30 seconds to share a way longer story, but I'll tell you the brief version. I went to mud bug college junction barges the other day and uh and i walked in and i, I grabbed a a few energy drinks and i i looked up and i started to walk to the counter and there was a a latino guy there and he, you could tell this brother had been working way harder than me and uh and immediately i, I sensed that the lord told me to buy his lunch and i but i hesitated here listen to me sometimes delayed obedience is disobedience if you delay, you may miss a moment. And we serve a God that's greater than the moment. Thank God. Because in that moment, I, I delayed and I hesitated. And then that guy asked for a, a pack of cigarettes. Now listen, I'm not, if you asked for a pack of cigarettes recently, I'm not casting condemnation on you for, to go to hell. My, I got an uncle that led worship at another church just probably a few weeks back with probably a pack of Marlboro Reds in his pocket. Okay, he was like, I'm not justifying that either. Like, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. What you put in your temple is going to give, you're going to have to give an answer for God, to God on that as well. So it's both sides of the coin. It's not the point of the story. You got me? Immediately, I, I did that. You remember last week when I said Jesus came for the sick and, and, and those who, not who thought they were righteous, but that knew they needed a Savior? I had a moment of righteous arrogance. And I thought, nah, shouldn't have got those cigarettes. You missed your blessing. If you wouldn't have gotten them, I ain't paying for them cigarettes. I'm a pastor, spirit-filled. I'm not putting that on my ticket. 
had to turn that into Miss Debbie. She'd ask me why I bought cigarettes. <laughs> I ain't doing it. <laughs> Buying them cigarettes. And immediately, I, and I thought, when I was thinking of the story, I thought, well, he missed it. If he wouldn't have bought them cigarettes, I'd have paid for his lunch. He missed out on a blessing. And God said, Chris, you missed it. If you'd have bought his lunch, he wouldn't have bought cigarettes. But because you delayed, you were disobedient, and he missed his blessing, you missed yours. So what I did is I got up, I went back to the barges the next day, and somebody got lunch. Like, I didn't know who it was going to be. It's the moral of that story. It hadn't ended yet. It's open-ended. Because God's not done with me. Just like he wasn't done with Peter. Just like he's not done with you. See, Peter stood before three people and one of them, at least one of them, was just a little girl. And he denied Jesus before all three people. But then something happened in John chapter 21 after he had denied Jesus just a few chapters earlier. In John chapter 21, Peter said, because I don't know where Jesus is, because I've wandered off, I started following him at a distance. I don't know where he is. I'm just gonna go fishing. What our tendency is, is to go back to what we knew when we didn't know Jesus. That's our tendency, to go back to what we knew before we knew Jesus. That's what Peter did. But thankfully, Jesus wasn't done, and he's still not. So Jesus made lunch on the shore. He called out, said, cast your nets on the other side, and something sparked in Peter's spirit. He's heard this before. He's had this experience before. And Jesus shouted from the shore, and Peter jumped out the boat and swam to meet Jesus. In John chapter 22, Jesus is gathered with the disciples and the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended into the air and the promise that was forsaken in Joel chapter two came to pass in Acts chapter two when the disciples, including Peter, were gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire and filled them all and they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance and the same God that had denied Jesus before a little girl now stood up in the midst of a crowd and shouted hey I got something to tell you the spirit of the living God is upon me I've been led to this place by someone bigger than me and I've got to obey because I am now empowered to make a difference see being spirit filled is an encounter with God being spirit led is a relationship with God and being spirit empowered is about being obedient to God 